Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au It's a real privilege to have Pastor Bruce uh, Hills with us this morning. Uh, he's not a stranger to our church, and ministers here uh, quite regularly. Uh, for those that don't know him, he's the International Director for World uh, Outreach. Uh, Bruce has been in full-time ministry for over 30 years and uh, uh, has uh, a wealth of experience. Pastors a large church in Queensland, and um, he's also an author, an international speaker, has a passion for ministry. Uh, we decided some years ago to partner with World Outreach in sponsoring uh, some, uh, some of the missionaries that are out on the field, and uh, it's been fantastic. Great relationship. Bruce is a great guy, loves God, uh, wants to see people come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. I know God is going to speak to us this morning, so would you give him a big warm welcome as he comes uh, to share. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. 21 days of prayer and fasting. It was hard this morning, you know, in the Italian service because we're talking about prayer and fasting and all I can smell is bacon. Do you know what it's like trying to concentrate on preaching when there's a smell of bacon coming through as well? Uh, I had a friend recently who was at a church and they were having a men's breakfast and the person who gave the announcement said, gentlemen, next week there's going to be lots of meat and for salad we're having chicken. And I thought... That's the type of salad I like, you know, uh, chicken. But always great to be back here, and I want to say thank you to Pastor Joe for the invitation to come, but also I want to say thank you to this church for your partnership in what we're doing among the unreached people groups of the world. 3.2 billion people living in an identifiable ethno-linguistic group with no known Christian presence. It's astonishing. And uh, we're making a difference, and through your partnership also in mission, you are making a, a difference as well. Well, just for time's sake, I'm going to launch right, right into the message today, and that's the great thing about multiple sermons. You'll never have a long sermon again. Isn't, isn't that great? So if you'd like to bring up that first slide, thanks. Let me start off with a story. About uh, 20 years ago, when I was a young pastor in Brisbane, and I'm still a young pastor, despite the grey hair. When I was a young pastor, it was a Saturday night, and I was just preparing my heart to preach on Sunday morning. And the phone rang, which is very unusual for a Saturday night. All of our young adults were away at a camp on the Sunshine Coast, and so I, I, I picked up the phone, and it was our youth pastor, Paul. I said, hi, Paul, how are you? And normally he was very upbeat and buoyant, but on this day he was very subdued, and uh, he goes... Are you sitting down? And I thought, oh no, it's one of those phone calls. So I sat down and said, what's up? He said, one of the young people has died. One of the young people has died at the camp. I said, what? I said, what happened? And we'll call him Michael because we had some legal problems with, with the family. And so we'll just call him Michael. Uh, Michael had been off for a long walk somewhere and had come back and evidently felt hot and decided to dive into the pool at the campsite. And sometime later, some people came and found him lying on the bottom of the pool. Uh, Michael was born uh, deaf and was born with cerebral palsy and had a hunchback and was bent over like this, but he was a really, really intelligent guy. And I knew he was intelligent because he would laugh at my jokes. 
And uh, Michael was just one of these loving guys, just a great guy. Well, you can imagine the impact that that death had at a youth camp. All of the young people were so impacted by that. And a few days later, we had the funeral for Michael. And his mother told an amazing story. Michael didn't want to go to a special school, even though he was a deaf. He wanted to go with all of the other kids. And he wanted to compete in the same things that they, they did as well. And when it came to running races, he did not want any advantage at all. He wanted to start with all the other kids. Now, he couldn't hear when the starter's gun went off. He had to look for the smoke that came up from the gun to know when to start. But his mother said, when he began to run, he would run with all of his heart, as if he was in the Olympics. And invariably, Michael always came last. But she said, when he crossed the finishing line, he didn't cross the line as someone who came last. He would always throw his arms in the air and he would throw his chest out because to him, to Michael, it wasn't about competing. It was about finishing. Just the fact that he was able to finish. And the title of my message this morning is Finishing Strong. And I want to turn your attention to a couple of the verses that we find in the book of 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 to 8, that speak about the end of Paul's life. And we're going to draw some principles there about what we, we can apply to the, to the end of our year as well. But just before I read it, I want you to imagine what it was like for Paul. He's chained in a dingy Roman, in a dingy Roman cell. He'd just been to court. He knew that he wasn't going to be exonerated or released. He knew that he was about to be executed. And there's strong evidence that this letter may have been written on the night before he was executed. So I can imagine he was filled with emotion. And just have a listen to, to a few of the words he wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy. Reading from verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his, his appearance. I want to focus on verse 7 there that says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Or let me put them in different words. Paul was finishing strongly. He knew what was ahead. He had done his best. He had fulfilled what Jesus had called him to do. He was finishing strongly. Obviously, of course, Paul is speaking here about the end of his life. But what I want to ask today is what can we learn from him so that we can finish this year strongly what can we learn so that we can finish 2020 strongly for I believe this God does not want us to start 2020 in weakness and defeat and discouragement but he wants us to start this year from a posture of victory and expectation that God is going to do some great things so what can we learn from these these words we can apply to our lives so that we can finish 2020 well number one is this we must stay committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stay committed to the gospel of Jesus. Now, please remember the context. Paul is in prison because of the gospel. 
He's got a very good understanding of where his life is at. For in verse 6 he said, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. He knows that his remaining time on earth is very short. And in reflection, he looks back that he has fulfilled the task that God had given to him to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And by the Spirit's power, he had done it with zeal and passion and determination. But his journey had not not been easy. For he parallels his gospel ministry to warfare. For he said here, I have fought the good fight. And what a fight it had been. He had been imprisoned in Philippi. He'd been chased out of Thessalonica. He'd been smuggled out of Berea. He'd been laughed out of Athens. His message was belittled in Corinth as foolishness. And a little bit later, when people infiltrated the Corinthian church, Paul wrote about how that he'd been flogged a number of times, how he'd been exposed to death, how he'd been lashed and stoned and shipwrecked and in danger constantly. And when you read these words, it, it could have been very easy for Paul to write to Timothy and say, Oh, Timothy, it's not worth serving Jesus. It's so hard. You can't trust anybody. All you'll have is hardship and rejection. But no, this type of thinking didn't come into Paul's mind at all. In fact, earlier in this chapter, in 2 Timothy 4, verse number 1, this is what Paul wrote, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. Keep your head, endure hardship, and do all the work of an evangelist. In other words, what Paul was saying here was, oh, keep going, and keep serving Jesus, and keep committed to, to the gospel, keep doing whatever you can to extend the kingdom of God. And why? Because in Paul's estimation, in the words of Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. My friends, today the gospel is the greatest cause upon the earth. If you're asking today about what is your purpose in life, this is one of our primary purposes in life, to give glory to God, of course, but to tell others about Him. We have a compelling mandate to tell whoever, whenever, about Jesus. Our message is Jesus, that is the Son of the living God. Our message is about what Jesus has done, that he died to pay the price for our sin and was raised from the dead to break the power of sin and that he now lives in the power of an endless life. Our message is that Jesus forgives and Jesus delivers and Jesus changes lives and Jesus gives hope and Jesus gives peace and Jesus gives life. Therefore, let us live a life that reflects Jesus and tell others about Jesus and invite people to come to church and be a witness to everywhere we go, whether it's study or in the workplace or in our home. Let us be authentic about who Jesus is. Paul was able to say, I have fought the good fight. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Maybe like me, you've been rejected or ridiculed or belittled because of your faith in Jesus. I want to encourage you, if you want to finish 2020 well, let there be a message in your heart that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Live a gospel-centered life. Number two. A second thing I see in this passage about how we can finish this year really well, number two is finish 
what you have started. Finish what you have started. In verse number 7, he goes on to say, I have finished the race. Now in scripture, uh, the word race was often used as a metaphor for our assigned task. Or in other words, God's will, God's call upon our life. It is a race not in the sense that we are competing with one another, but it's a race in the sense that God has got a course that is marked out for us. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has an assignment for our life. That is our race. And we need to live our lives with a compelling sense of purpose and have a real desire that we would complete what God has put in our heart to do. It was like Paul was saying here, I have done what Jesus has called me to do with all of my heart. I have been faithful and diligent in what I know to be God's assignment for my my life. And I want to ask you today, as you look back on last year, could, could you say, I have finished what Jesus put in my heart to do? I embraced God-given opportunities and I fulfilled them to the best of my God-given capacity and grace. I have stayed the course and be true to what I know to be God's will for my life. You know, there's this um, obscure little scripture at the end of the book of, of Colossians on the screen there. Chapter 4, verse number 17, where it says, Tell Archippus... See to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. And the point I'm trying to bring out here is if if we are to finish 2020 strongly, then we need to be in line with, in perfect alignment with what we know to be the will and the purpose of God. But here are some ideas for you about how we can finish what, what we have started. I would suggest that you ask God, to give you a clear sense of his purpose for your life. Ask the Lord to give you a clear sense of what he wants you, you, you to do. Ask him with all of your heart, Lord, what do you want me to do? May we enter 2020 gripped with a compelling sense of this is my purpose. This is the assignment that God has for my life. You know, I think of that scripture, Psalm 40, verse number 8, where the psalmist says, Oh, I desire to do your will, O God. I pray that today, if you feel like you haven't got sense of clarity, that you would ask him before you leave this place, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is inside of your heart? I would also suggest that if we are to finish what we've started, that we need to get rid of anything and everything that is slowing us down and hindering us from doing the will of God. Get rid of everything. There'll be a scripture up here in Hebrews 12 verse 1, where the author of Hebrews wrote, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Here it is. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has marked for us. And we do this by keeping our eyes upon Jesus. In those days, in those races, they used to run naked. 
They had to get rid of everything so that there was no impediment to them running the race. Thank God those days are over. But the spiritual lesson there for us is if we are to do our assigned task and do what God has called us to do, let's get rid of anything and everything in our life that is holding us back from being what God has called us to be and doing what God has called us to do. I want to ask you today, have you got rid of all of those things that are weighing you, you, you down? If we're to finish what we've started, get, get rid of everything. But we also need to, when we've got a sense of purpose, pursue it. That is persevere. Don't give up. Don't give in. But do what the Lord has poured in our heart to do. You know, I think of that scripture in, in Philippians 3 where Paul wrote about, I press on. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You know, when I had a look at that, that, uh, that verse up there, when I had a look at the word press on, it was a metaphor that was used in running races, it was used in hunting, and it was used in chariot races. It is this vigorous word about hunger for, press in, go after. And Paul is saying, Jesus apprehended me on the road to Damascus. And now I want to go and apprehend Jesus. I want all that he laid hold of my life for. And in the same way, I want to encourage you, if you want to finish what you've started, get hungry for all that God has for your life. It's not going to happen without intentionality and work. But be obedient to the promptings of God. Do all within your power to do what he's called you to do. And as we saw in the previous scripture, run with endurance. Don't give up. Don't lose the faith. Don't procrastinate and say, oh, I'm next year. I just want to sort out my finances or sort out my study or sort out my life. No, friends, today is the day to begin to focus upon what God wants us to do. Number three, a third thing we can learn from Paul about the end of his life that we can apply to the end of our year, if we are to finish this year really strongly, is this, focus upon the future. Focus upon the future. So after writing that he had fought and he had finished and he had persevered, Paul then began to focus upon the future. In verse 8 he wrote, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So there was a strong, unwavering sense of expectation about the future. Paul was referring to what we call the blessed hope. And this is the hope. That when he comes, or if I die before he comes, I shall see him as he is, and I shall be with him forever. Paul knew that death was not the victor, but Jesus, our resurrected Savior, was the victor. He conquered sin and death and the grave. He paid the price so that I could be eternally free from all of those things. And so that when he comes or I die before he comes, I shall be raised with him for eternity. And best of all, all of the limitations that hinder us at the moment are going to be taken away. 1 John 3 verse number 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. 
Now, Paul was writing here about the ultimate. Paul was writing here about eternity. He had a hope inside of him about the future. But we should also have a hope and an expectation, not just about eternity, but about today and tomorrow and the year ahead. Until Jesus comes back or we die, we are an unfinished life. God is still at work within us and through us to complete an unfinished task that he wants to do in and through our lives. Therefore, we need to maintain a focus upon the future. Here are some practical ideas for you about how we can focus upon the future. I would suggest that you don't be distracted from doing what you are supposed to be doing. Don't be distracted from doing what you are supposed to be doing. You know, I've, I've learned a lesson. If the devil can't destroy you, he will distract you. If he can't destroy you, he will distract you. He'll get you caught up with this issue or that problem or this task or that task. But what we need to do, if we're to focus upon the future that God has for us, is focus upon the kingdom of God. How are we doing what we are supposed to be doing with our life and time and resources? May we not be distracted but clearly and resolutely move into God's unfinished plans and purposes for our lives. You know, it reminds me of, of Nehemiah when he was rebuilding the walls and there were all these enemies, some ballot and some others who were trying to distract him. And he said, I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to go down to you? I encourage you today, refocus upon what God has put in your heart to do and have a sense about, about that. I would also suggest that if we are to focus upon the future, we need to lift the level of our expectation. Lift the level of our expectation. Often what happens is many people reduce their expectation to the level of their experience. Well, nothing much is happening and our expectation just comes right down. I want to encourage you today, lift the level of your expectation that things right now don't have to be as they are, that things don't have to be as they have been. But today, begin to expect answers to long prayed prayers. Begin to expect breakthroughs in areas in your life that have thus far not yielded. Expect that the Lord is going to do in you and, and more through you than he's ever done before. I'm reminded of Bartimaeus who was sitting by a roadside year in and year out without any hope of a different future until one day Jesus of Nazareth walked past and his whole life changed. Hannah was intoxicated by sorrow at her infertility until one day God heard her prayer and changed everything. David was a forgotten son mining sheep on a hillside until one day God said to him, I'm going to raise you up and anoint you to be the king over the whole nation. Friends, today, in one day, with one touch, with one word, God can change everything and anything. Lift the level of your expectation. I also want to encourage you, if we are to prepare for, for, for the future and focus on the future, is prepare yourself for what God is about to do. Life Church, prepare yourself for what God is about to do. There is a prophetic sense in which God is saying to us right now, we need to prepare ourselves because God is about to do something like he's never, ever done before. 
I think of Joshua when he spoke to the conquest generation. Joshua 3 verse 5, he said, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Many times, many people wait for the breakthrough before they get their life together. But in the kingdom of God, we need to get our life together and be in a posture to get ready for what God is about to do. Or do you remember that letter? that Jeremiah wrote by the inspiration of the Spirit to the elders, prophets, priests and people exiled in Babylon. Listen to what he wrote. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. In essence, what the letter was saying was, Oh, get ready, for the time is nearly right. I am about to do what I have promised. You are going to experience me in an unprecedented way. So you need to respond by pursuing me with all of your heart. There is no doubt that if God is a God of love, and if God causes all things to work together for good, and if the Holy Spirit is within us, making us every day to be more like Jesus, and if our life is an unfinished life, and if God is a God of transforming power, and if God is a God of redemptive purposes, we can say with confidence today, the best is yet to come. So I want to encourage you, if we are to finish 2020 well, keep focused upon the future. Number four, a fourth thing we learn from, from Paul's uh, the end of his life, we can apply to the end of our year. Fourthly, is we've got to deal with our disappointments. Deal with our disappointments. In the following paragraph to our text, uh, Paul writes here about some of the pain that he had suffered as a result of serving Jesus. Here's just a paraphrase of a few of his words. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he's loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia and to Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. And at my first defense, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. You know, the emotion in these words come from some of the deepest veins and most sensitive veins of, hum of, of human pain. Paul is writing about rejection, desertion, abandonment, incarceration, isolation, persecution, and, and opposition. But when you read those words, there is no detection at all of bitterness or self-pity or, or regret or anger Paul had processed and dealt with all of the things that he had been through. And in our lives, every year brings its measure of unmet expectations, unanswered prayers or unanticipated eventualities. Or perhaps didn't, things didn't unfold in the way you expected or perhaps you didn't achieve what you wanted to achieve or perhaps, perhaps last year was just a repetition of every other year round and round the same old mountain facing the same old things. And what happens is sometimes those things can become di disappointments and disappointments are like an infection or a paralysis. It gets into us and it hinders us. But I would suggest to you, 
that if we are to start this year well, then we need to come to Jesus and lay down our disappointments and say, Lord, I need healing today. I am not going to allow the past to determine my future. I don't want to enter 2020 with a whole bunch of of debris and luggage and baggage just hanging off my back. Lord, I want to be free. And Paul gives us a great, a great, great, great idea how to do that. Even though he had suffered many disappointments, he knew the Lord was with him. Have a listen to this. He'd been through all of that pain. But verse 16 reads, At my first defense, no one came to my support. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will be safely bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Oh, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, today, whenever you feel weak, whenever you feel vulnerable, whenever you feel alone, there is a safe you who is standing by you there is someone who will never turn his back upon you who's never going to reject you who's never going to hurt you who's never going to abandon you he is a strength in times of hardship and he is never going to let you down and friends and though people disappoint you he will never disappoint you though people reject you he will never reject you though people hurt you he will never hurt you he is your God and I want to encourage you today no matter what you have been through or are going through or will will go through in your life the Lord is standing at your side right now he is indwelling you through the person of his Holy Spirit and he is going to bring you through I want to encourage you today if you've still got stuff in your heart from last year or previous years today to say Jesus open up my heart to you I need help I need you to touch my heart and bring healing and wholeness to me. May we today have that same sense in our heart. And number five, a fifth and final thing I see in this passage that we learn from Paul about the end of his life that we can apply to the end of our year. Number five is this. If we want to finish 2020 well, praise God with thankfulness. Praise God with thankfulness. You know, as Paul recounted the faithfulness of God in his life and as he remembered the presence of Jesus in his darkest hour and as he remembered his deliverance from the lion's mouth, as he remembered that the Lord will bring him through every evil attack, he sums it all up and he bursts out and says, Oh, to him be glory and glory forever. He was so overcome by the faithfulness, the comfort and the strength of God. He could not help but just thank God for all that the Lord had done. This is the point I'm trying to make here today. That if we are to finish 2020 well, we need to have a heart of gratitude. Oh, not why God did that happen or why didn't this work out or disappointments in our heart. Thank God we have breath. Thank God we have life. Thank God we have eternal life. Thank God for his presence this morning as we were singing. How wonderful for the privilege and the joy of being in God's house and being filled with his wonderful presence. May we thoughtfully, intentionally and thankfully remember the small and the great things that God has done in our life. I would urge you, think back to 2019 about all the great things that God has done. And may we today have a heart of thankfulness and and gratitude for all that that he has done. In summing up, 
I want to, want to tell a story. On the screen behind me will be a picture of a, of a British man called Derek Redmond. Derek R- R- Redmond was world champion, uh, 400-meter runner. And in the, Barca, the Barcelona 1992 Olympics, he was in the semi-final, and he started brilliantly. But something happened, and he tore his hamstring as he was running. And as a result of that, the race moved on, but he stood there. But he was determined to finish. So he got up and began to limp along, but the pain was getting intense for him. But his father climbed over the barrier, ran out to him, put his arms around him and carried him across the finishing line. And I want to show you what happened on that day. Have have a look up here and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it all up at the end. This is what happened. And his father spoke at the end there and said, I started his career with him and I'm going to finish it with him. You know, and sometimes we start the year so full of expectation and excitement about the future. But throughout the year, something happens. Our hamstring snaps and we feel like, I didn't see that coming. I didn't want that to happen. And though things happen in our life, the point I'm trying to make here today is there is a Father in heaven who's not going to abandon you on the race, on the course that he has for you. But he will come along beside you and empower you and strengthen you to go on so that you can finish strongly. Let me just summarize. There'll be, there'll be a PowerPoint up here. Just the five things I've been trying to say here today. If we are to finish strongly in 2020, then, then we must, firstly, just renew our commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may be asking, what, what is my purpose in life? One of our primary purposes is to tell others about Jesus. Let us live a gospel-centered life and tell others about the good news of Jesus. Secondly, to finish what we've started, what do you know to be the will and the purpose of God for you? What, what are the gifts and the grace that God has given you? And do what he's put in your heart to do. Thirdly, focus upon the future. We live, we live each day because each day is in this trouble of its own, as Jesus said. Yes, but we are moving towards the purposes that God has for us. Focus upon the future. Fourthly, deal with the disappointments. Let them go. Just ask Jesus to strengthen you because he's standing with you. And fifthly, have a grateful heart. Have a thankful heart that says, Lord, I don't want to just remember all the bad things or all the residue of the past. I want to live with an attitude that says, thank you for all that you are and thank you for all that you do. May 2020 not just be a repeat of other years, but a year when we finish strong. Would you mind standing with me, please? And just with eyes closed, just just to shut out distractions around about us. Can I ask you today, out of all that I've said, what was the one thing that was the word of the Lord to you? The one thing that you need to do about what I've been preaching about today? Please just take a moment to just think about that. What do you need to apply? What do you need to do about what I've been preaching about? And then I'd love to just ask Pastor Joe just to come and and close in prayer. Please take a moment to engage with God.